0: One really easy thing that everybody here can do is you go to Gmail and you type in make new Gmail account. And then you can literally make a new account in like one minute. And then you want to use this as your testing account. You don't want to use your current email because that has a lot of like opening history where it's it's influenced by your previous opening habits and whatnot. You can literally just send an email to this new account you made and just don't open any of the emails. And then what you do, you send the test email and you look and you see, did it land in spam? Did it land in the promotions tab? Or did it land in the primary inbox? where it's supposed to land. So that'll kind of give you an idea of where you're landing. And then based on some of the strategies I said earlier, as well as some technical things, and based on a combination of both like qualitative and quantitative things, you can move it up from spam into promo or from promo into the primary tab. So deliverability could be a lot of things, but we'll keep it at that for now. And so it's pretty simple.
1: Thank you so much for clicking on this episode of Millennial Entrepreneur. The ambition of the podcast is to show relatable stories from young entrepreneurs doing some incredible things to inspire the next generation, including you listening wherever you are. We've been doing this podcast for over three years and the ambition has not changed. The only thing that has changed is the scale of where we want to go. We want to bring on bigger guests for you guys to show more and more relatable and inspiring stories from young entrepreneurs across the world. The majority of you guys listening haven't subscribed to the podcast yet. All you have to do is click that subscribe button wherever you're listening on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and that will allow us to bring on bigger guests and ask the questions to them that you really want to hear. And it really is that simple. So thank you again for clicking on the podcast and enjoy the episode.
0: Hey, Troy, how are you? Hey, how's it going, Tita? Good to be here, I'm feeling amazing. I'm
1: really excited to have you on the podcast because email marketing is something that people think about and do all the time within their business. And so many people listening as well, obviously have their own businesses. And like email marketing is used in every business. So I wanted to get you on to basically you know, educate people on how to most effectively do email marketing. So before we jump into that, how did you actually get started in the space?
0: Yeah, so at the time, uh, around like 2018, 2019, I was actually a college baseball player. I know a lot of people are in the UK and they're like, oh gosh, baseball. But it was literally my dream ever since I was a little kid, probably 12 years old. I want to take it very seriously. I'd, I ended up making it to college, um, at which time... I'd recently undergone something called Tommy John surgery, AKA, I tore the ligament in my elbow that you need to throw anything overhead. So whether it's a baseball, a javelin, whatever, um, I tore that. And when I came back in college, I had some mental complications from that where I literally could not throw a baseball anymore. And I was a pitcher. So like my job is to throw a baseball and I could no longer throw a baseball accurately. I would Mm -hmm. bounce it. I would throw it over people's heads. And as a senior on my college team, I used to be like really good in college. I got cut. And with that came a lot of shame, embarrassment. I didn't leave the house for like two weeks until a buddy of mine forced me to go back to the gym. And like my identity was basically stripped out from underneath me. And I didn't really know how I was going to reinvent myself, but I knew that I did not want to get a regular job. I was pretty much going to college just because I wanted to play baseball. So fortunately for me, I had done a little bit of homework. Um and ended up following this guy on Snapchat who was giving me all kinds of tips on like how to sell things on eBay. And eventually he um sold a Facebook ads course. So I got my feet wet in that. Um got some clients on Upwork. And then one day in 2019, after I'd graduated, I'd been out of college for a couple months, maybe, um, or like directly after pretty much. And uh one of my clients wanted to fire me. And I was like, Hold on, what's going on? I I followed this course, everything's going fine the cost per lead is pretty low why and they were like well we can't really tell you you're fired and I said no you're one of my two clients you're going to tell me right now why and I'm going to fix it and they were like all right fine all of our emails are going to spam and we're not making money off these leads that you're getting for us so I said okay well I have a little bit of experience just writing a couple of emails here and there for my other clients so I'm gonna figure out this problem for you. I'm not gonna charge you anything. And then once I figure out how to fix it, we'll go back to the agreement that we have right now. So they said, All right, guess we have nothing to lose. So I went in, they were making about thirteen K a month from email. They're like I said, their emails are going to spam. They were sending about one a week because they were terrified that people were gonna unsubscribe. And then they didn't really have any automations or anything that really made any kind of sense. It was just like a completely Jumbled mess of emails. So I went in, um, I bought like, you know, a couple courses here and there and kind of used some old experience and talked to my other client. And um, over the course of that summer, they hit 51K a month from email. So it was almost a 4X um, just by fixing a few simple things, such as sending more, fixing the copy, getting them out of spam, all those things, which are great. And then I realized, like, hey, um, So, I mean, if anybody listening remembers, like, how hot Facebook ads were around, like, 2017 to 2019, um, I was like, you know what, this is a a really red ocean, I can see this going very bad if I stay here too long, so I went into email marketing, and I've never looked back, because it's just been an amazing ride, and I have a whole team now, and um, it's... It's been way better than I could have ever imagined it going. How did you, like, what did you fix for
1: that client in order to, like, get them from, what was it, 13K to 50, what
0: K? 51, yeah. 51K, how did you do that? Yeah, so the, the main thing was figuring out the spam issue. So at the time, uh, it was more of just like, all right, they're sending their emails to literally every single person on their list, regardless of their opening history and their engagement. So first thing I did was like, hey, guys, you have to understand That if you send to somebody who hasn't opened in six months, they're probably not going to open again. And I know you want to send to as many people as you can, but that's actually just hurting you. Because Google and Yahoo and Hotmail, they really care about what your open rates are. So we basically removed all the people who hadn't opened in more than 90 days or so, and we just started mailing those people. Obviously, open rates go up. We start training Google, Yahoo, et cetera, that people want to read our emails. And that helped a lot secondly we doubled down on sending and eventually tripled down so we're doing like two emails a week three emails a week and eventually we went to more um but it's like when you get really good engagement and then you double or triple down on it and then you improve the copy and just make it less bland like they were selling basically franchise opportunities and then the companies that they were promoting would pay them like per lead that signed up um so instead of like hey here's a restaurant opportunity for you. Do you want it? Here's the link. That was kind of how their emails were prior Mm. to me touching them. But then I just went into like more of the emotional side, like why people want to start a business. And it's probably things that a lot of people listening can relate to as well. So it's like really just talking about like their friends and their family and what they're able to do with, you know, owning a business and some of the freedoms that come with it and like what other people think of them, where they're at right now versus where they're going to be when they start their business. And, um just really not having anybody tell them what to do.
1: Mm. So
0: you really just harping on those three things. Um deliverability, copywriting, and then just like strategy and automation was was really the three big things there.
1: That's amazing. And yeah, we're definitely gonna go into some more detail there because I know so many people already like (laughs) find value from what you just said there. But so let's let's go into that in more detail. So you said how you got into it. Now the question that I have for you, and I, I don't know if this is like a question you get asked a lot, but is email marketing still still lucrative?
0: Yeah, 100%. It's it's like, I, I understand where the question comes from, <laughs> from like somebody who's starting a business and, you know, like a listener is like, gosh, like email, it just seems so old. Like maybe yeah. I should start my business with something else. Um, and then I come from a place where I have a lot of direct response clients, people who are like you know, 30, 40, 50 years old, and they've been relying on email for decades. And it's consistently number one revenue driver for them. And the way that I try to relate this to people, obviously, there's a lot of millennials, those things. So um, I try to say like, hey, okay, so let's say you are on TikTok or on Instagram, wherever. And a lot of people don't know this, but when somebody follows you, unless they are like really one of your top fans, and they engage with a ton of your posts, they're actually less likely to see your content in terms of like short form, for example, like on TikTok, YouTube shorts, uh, Instagram reels. So it's actually kind of crazy how few of your followers, and you can go check your stats on your account to see this, how few of your followers will actually see your content unless it goes Mm. viral or whatever. But when you look at email marketing, if you do a good job, even taking iOS 15 out of the equation, You can get 20 to 25% of people opening your emails, and those are people that are going to be the most dedicated because somebody who's just on TikTok, like scrolling, sure, you might get a lot of views, but that person doesn't have the same intent as somebody who goes to your site, puts in their email, and now has a reading relationship with you almost every single day if that's how often you're sending um and you know when you look at email as well it doesn't really cost you any money it's like sure maybe a few hundred bucks per month if you have a big account inside your esp if you have a really big list um but you don't have to spend time making videos you don't have to spend time creating ads you don't have to have this crazy team if you're Mm -hmm. not good at writing you can literally just hire a copywriter or email list manager and they just write for you and there's no other costs associated with it so Um, There's a massive ROI potential when you think about it that way. And best of all, if you're like very, very new um, and you have like a really good skill in helping people solve a specific problem, it's actually very easy to make high ticket sales via email compared to what you might think. Um, Because it's like, hey, I can solve this problem. So then you just have to sit down and jot down like what the deliverables are for your high ticket offer. Then you would just open a Calendly account and then send an email to get people to book calls. And then obviously you can close them over the over a Zoom call, um, so it's it's been easier than ever to to start a business these days and just utilizing email. And those are always going to be your most dedicated people. And when you think about how many people actually see your message, it's probably going to be more on email than there are on social media. On a, head-to-head basis, a post versus an email.
1: So would you say email marketing is extremely underrated for any type of business, B2C or B2B?
0: Yeah, I wouldn't say like there are most people I work with obviously value it to the point that they go ahead and they hire us because like our fees aren't cheap, right? Um But yeah, for somebody, like you said, who's newer, who's thinking like email, that sounds like dinosaurs, man. Yeah, then I, I think it's underrated in that case. But it's just like Everybody perceives things according to their background and millennials Mm. tend to value email a little bit less, but it's like, Hey, what do you check every single day? It's your email. And yeah, sure. Some people check social media every day, but when you need to have like a, a, like a really important message that's sent to somebody and has more detail and more oomph to it, you're always going to send an email to that person. So, um, kind of speaks for itself over the last 20-something years.
1: So for people listening right now that have their own business or thinking about starting their own business that want to go down the route of email marketing, and um, some businesses may even have an email marketing like list already put together, but they're not like actively engaging with them. Um, how do you actually start the process of making that one of your sales channels?
0: Yeah, totally. That is a big thing. Like, Even big companies will come to us and they're like, oh my gosh, like, I know you're talking about email, I just saw you present or heard you on a podcast, whatever. And I know I need to be doing this. But I have this big list. And I just haven't talked to them in a while. and I feel terrible about it. So I'm like, hey, don't worry. Um, so the, the best thing to understand here is like, nobody is paying as close of attention to yourself as you, right? Like if you email somebody after several months, they're not gonna be like, oh, I don't like you. They're just going to be like, oh, hey, it's this guy again, or it's this girl again, whatever. Mm. Um, so what I would do in that case is I would just send an email, and the subject line says, remember me, the question mark, and he'd say like, hey, first name, it's so-and-so here. Um, I'm reaching back out to you after a few months. If you remember me, this is my business and what I do, and then you just put in a little blurb about what you do. Um, the reason I'm reaching back out today is because I wanted to show you this new cool thing I have, and then you just link them to it, and you say, uh, thanks for reading, and be sure to look out for my upcoming emails because I've got some awesome stuff for you in the coming days and weeks. So pretty simple from there. And then the next uh, you know, two or three emails, I would just maybe tell a story. Um, so like, how did you get into this business, right? Kind of like we're doing right now, mm. except in a, a written format. And then maybe talk a little bit about like your business and like what differentiates it from other businesses. Um, and then really anything else that they might need to know before you – pitch them per se, right? Um, And then as you write emails after that, you'll get more and more used to it. People will reply, they'll ask you certain questions. And then that's honestly the best way is you could send an email that's like, hey, what's your number one question about blank? And people will reply and they'll tell you exactly what their questions are about blank, which is obviously your niche or your business. Mm -hmm. And that will give you endless writing topics. Um, So as you go, you'll figure it out. And then you can also remember that Not every email needs to be 100% pitch or 100% story. You can like make them 50-50. You can make them 80-20, 90-10, whatever it might be. Um, But you just need to be talking to people. Because the truth is omnipresence is probably one of the biggest terms I've heard over the last few years. And it's very true because you got to understand that like, you know, there's a lot of people that mention it's great to like profit on day one when you're running ads. Yeah, that's cool and all. But don't forget that a lot of people, most of your market, they need to hear from you again and again and again, mm. and maybe they'll make a buying decision a week later, three months later, or a year later, who knows? Um, so you got to stay in front of them. And obviously, um, you know, email's great and all channels are great too. You just want to keep putting out content, which is, again, that's a, the whole reason why Gary V talks about that, yeah. for example, because he understands the long game.
1: You talked about those three pillars when we first spoke. So it was it was strategy content and what was the third one deliverability deliverability now i guess let's 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 go into each one in detail because each one is like is extremely important so you already talked about deliverability so remove removing emails from your email list that are consistently like either not opening i mean or like look like fake emails i guess so would you would you say would you say that's what it is?
0: Yeah, so that's part of it. Um, more of it is also just testing your emails too. So one really easy thing that everybody here can do is you go to Gmail and you just or you go to Google and you type in make new Gmail account. And then you can literally make a new account in like 1 minute and then you want to use this as your testing account. You don't want to use your current email because that has a lot of like opening history where you know it's influenced by your previous opening habits and whatnot but yeah. you can literally just send an email to this new account you made and just don't open any of the emails and then what you do um you send the test email and you look and you see did it land in spam did it land in the promotions tab or did it land in the primary inbox where it's supposed to land so that'll kind of give you an idea of where you're landing and then based on some of the strategies i said earlier as well as some technical things and uh, you guys can reach out to me after this if you have questions, but based on a combination of both like qualitative and quantitative things, you can move it up from spam into promo or from promo into the, the primary tab. Mm. So deliverability could be a lot of things, but yeah, we'll, we'll keep it at that for now. And so it's pretty simple. So how do
1: you, how do you get out like very, very short in case someone missed it? Like how, so how do you get out of spam?
0: Yeah. So to get out of spam, it's mostly an engagement thing. So based on uh, your domain, there's this thing called the domain reputation. So like Google and Yahoo and Hotmail, they'll track and they'll see, they'll, they'll be like, Hey, when this domain, so whatever web address you send from, sends to our users, how often do they open? How often do they reply? How often do they click links? How often do they forward it to a friend or star it or whitelist it? They pay really close attention to that. So anytime you can create positive engagement, that's boosting you up. And anytime that people don't open or they delete it or they mark it as spam or you know, mm. things like that that bumps your reputation down. So the more of those positive interactions you create, um, which you can also do by removing people who don't open, then that's just one easy way to increase your reputation. So it's um, it's very much, what have you done for me lately? That's how they look at you when you say Yeah,
1: yeah, okay, I get that. Okay, that makes sense. So let's move on to the strategy side before we move on to the content. So when, when people are listening, so they've, yeah, they've removed these non-openers, they you know, like posted some more and the open rates have increased. So now they've moved out of spam. That's all good. But what, like, what do you put into an email marketing strategy?
0: Yeah. So that's, it's really interesting because in any kind of service you can provide, you're never just providing that service. You're always, or at least you always should be more of a consultant as well, right? You have to understand what's going on in the business around the emails, not just Mm. emails themselves. So Let's say um, you kind of mastered some of the things I talked about already, then you have to think, okay, so how does a new subscriber get on our list? Whether it's like a free opt-in or they bought something, we just have to think like, okay, what's the journey they're gonna take and what's our goal for this? So very similar to what I was talking about earlier with like if you haven't um, sent to your list in a while, very similar strategy for this, right? So like the welcome email, you're gonna give them the thing that they opted in for or that they purchased, and you're going to tell them how this is different than other things out there and how you're different and um, how this is actually going to make a tangible impact in their personal life as well as business. Um, so day two, maybe tell your story. Day three, maybe send that reply email and ask them if they have any questions about it. Um, day four, day five, day six, around there, just really any other vital information that they need to know before you start trying to upsell them or get them into the next thing or whatever Mm. it might be. On top of that, if you're kind of out of ideas, what you do is you look back at your previous emails that you sent and see which ones did really, really well and just copy those and put them into your automation or your sequence or your flow, whatever you wanna call it. Um, And then you go from there. Some other ways that we can automate our strategy so like a lot of people, especially in e abandoned cart is the biggest one there, um, is making sure you're following up with people all the time if they don't check out. So maybe they saw your ad, they went to the site, they put in their email and then something happened. Their son ran in the room and they got distracted so they didn't buy. Uh, there's a lot of easy low hanging fruit there for you if you just set up an abandoned cart. And then uh, a really, another good, Automation that we like to set up for our clients is called browse abandonment. So that's for the people who are already on your email list. Let's say you send an email about a specific product or service or maybe a a booking link and somebody clicks the link in your email, they go to that page, but they don't check out or they don't book. Well, it doesn't matter if they didn't put in their email on the page because we already have their email. They're on our list. So we can automatically follow up with them and ask if, hey, like, did you get distracted? Is there a different time that you want to book a call? Um, or you can, if it's like a, a product, you can just send them a list of FAQs that most people ask. Because odds are, if most people are asking it, they probably have the same question and they didn't know the answer and that's why they didn't check out. So you can always follow up with them that way. But um, yeah, overall, it's really just understanding the customer journey and why people are coming onto your list and what their goals are and what they're looking forward to and what they're trying to accomplish. So really, that one's more of just like, Thinking with the person as if you are in their shoes, and then that just pretty much tells you what you know. But
1: before we go on, I want to tell you quickly about the podcast new sponsor Zencaster. So I get messages a lot, you know, maybe every week, saying, you know, how do I do a podcast remotely? A lot of people getting into it. Recording a podcast remotely can be quite difficult and challenging. And platforms such as Zoom, you know, Google Meets, whatever, they're not built for podcasting. So that means when you record it, the sound quality doesn't sound too good. And if there's an absence or, or breakage in sound, then the end user, so the listener, actually picks it up. I have been obsessed with the sound quality since day one. And as a result, I've searched long and hard for a platform that let me re- you know, podcast remotely without that breakage in sound and you know, optimizing quality and the platform that i came across that i've been using for two and a half years now across all the podcasts that i do is zencaster now zencaster makes the podcasting experience so easy and you know everything from local recording which basically means that my sound records on my side and their sound records on their side so you get two different audio files that you can put together and post and so the sound is extremely clear and if you don't believe me you can look back at all my episodes that I've recorded apart from episode one, number 100 which I recorded in person every other one I've used Zencaster to record so if you want to use Zencaster and I, I don't know if I should say this but as actual fact it's a free tool so I've been using the free package for two and a half years and it's an amazing tool so I highly recommend that you sign up if you are looking into podcasting remote it's the best tool that I've been using and I'm not switching anytime soon now, I want you guys to have the same easy experience as I do for all my podcasting and content needs. So if you're interested in the paid or free package, then there is a link in my description that starts with zen.ai. Uh, click that link, you know, sign up to whatever package that you want. Um, if you are looking for more sort of special, specialty uh, package, such as like all the editing stuff to be taken care of, then you can use my link, and it will give you thirty percent off your first three months. Otherwise, you can use the free package, which is why I've been using for two and a half years. So, thank you so much. Let's go on with the episode. So, when it comes to the type of emails you you want to write, I, I guess that falls into the content bracket. What sort of like, I guess percentage or like ratio, or whatever. Like, what's it between? Sales emails compared to story or like some value posts or whatever. Like, what what would you say is like the the optimum sort of like uh percentage between them?
0: Yeah, I would say, and this is going to be contrary to what most people do, but I would say I don't pitch anything about sixty percent of the time. Um, or I mm. pitch something that's free. Uh, so it's just me telling stories about my life, what's going on, and a lot of people don't realize this as well, but. When you run a list, and especially if you have a personality brand, we've always heard over and over that it's not about us. It's about the customer. But in reality, especially if you have a personal brand, people want to hear from you. They want to hear your opinions on things. They want to hear like everything that's going on in their head. Like If you're in internet marketing, they want to know what you think about Andrew Tate. If you're in the copywriting market, like I am, they want to know what you think about AI and chat GPT. And is it going to take my job and all these questions? Yeah. So you really need to be giving your opinion on those things. And um, I also have some other projects as well, where I have like free things that people can do. So I like bought copywriting.org recently. And anybody who goes to that site, they can get interviewed as a copywriter and get published on the site. So that's like another piece of free value that I'll give people. So that's about 60% mm-hmm. of the time. And then 20% of the time, the email is like partial story and partial pitch because I'm basically starting with the story. And then there's just like a natural transition or flow into a sale because the story just makes too much sense to not sell something, right? So like if I'm telling the story about how I came up and how I got started and at first I was like struggling writing ad copy, And then I stumbled across email list management because my client was about to fire me and I fixed their email marketing and then they stayed for months and months and months. Well, I have a program that teaches you exactly how to do that. So that's what I would pitch there. And then the last 20% of the time would probably be like a straight pitch where I'm just like, I look at my calendar today. I'm like, oh, I could probably use a few more bookings for the sales team. So I just pretty much sent out a straight pitch. Um, And most people, they're like straight pitching probably 80% of the time. Mm. and and that would obviously
1: lower the the opening rate as well right if you're just constantly pitching because people are used to that yeah yeah Yeah. it's
0: just like people aren't going to open as much if you're just pitching every single day and they kind of expect you to do it so Mm. the more like weird and interesting and contrarian you are and just different from everybody else which is hard for humans to do by the way because we're always like very intimidated by what other people think of us but the more you can just take that thought, throw it out the window and just like put your real opinions and thoughts and authentic self in front of people, they can tell. And the more they like you, the more they're going to buy, right? Like no like trust. It's a very different thing.
1: Yeah. All right. But look, two last questions before we wrap up the podcast. And this has been incredibly interesting and valuable. So I like Thank I you. hope you guys are, are taking notes. The The second last question what, what's the sort of ideal frequency of emails would you say?
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I get a lot too. And it's funny because we'll start with some new clients and they're like, aren't people going to be offended if we send too many? And I always ask them like, hey, what's something that you really enjoy? And if they say, oh, I love basketball. I'm like, okay, well, if I send you seven quality emails a week about basketball and they're really entertaining or I give you good tips or I keep you updated about your favorite team, are you going to unsubscribe And they're like, hmm, I don't think so. So I'm like, hey, as long as you have something that's valuable for people, they're not gonna unsubscribe. So like me personally, I send just about every day. We send just about every day for our clients as well. It's just about finding what your audience wants and giving it to them nonstop. So once you hit the nail on the head, like with the basketball example, right? There's like sub niches. It's like, is it a player? Is it the parent of a player? Is it somebody that just wants to follow their favorite team? Like you 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 have to find out what your people want and then yeah. you pretty much just give that to them or something similar every day and you and you can send as much as you want. And the more you send, the more you
1: make. Got you. So I guess the capacity, the, the the limit there, the the bottleneck would be how much time you're willing to spend on email marketing because seven days a week for me as a business owner sounds fairly daunting. Um I could probably manage like two emails a week, three emails a week. Um, especially when like the ideas and like the creation of ideas. Uh, so yeah, I guess it's, that's probably the bottleneck that you get with most business owners.
0: Yeah. And it depends on your area of expertise as well. Right. So like I have an email based business, so email is just part of what I do. It's like my lifestyle. So I don't view it as a task that I have to do. Yeah, of course. But if I think of like advertising or like making content and then I start thinking about like, okay, well, that's going to take so many minutes or hours per day. And I, you know, consider hiring somebody for that. So depending on your background and experience, yeah, it can take time. Obviously, it takes more time up front. And then once you get it going, you know potentially it could take about 30 minutes a day to write one email, mm-hmm. which is not too bad. But um, yeah, it just totally depends on what your goals are.
1: And very last question, what are some common mistakes that you've seen people make for email marketing within their
0: businesses? Yeah, so I, I think we went over a lot of them, but um, really just not sending enough. So I'll give you another example here. Let's say you're sending one time per week, and your open rates are 10%. And th- these are going to be some crazy numbers right here. You're, so you're saying one time per week, 10% open rates to a list of 10,000 people. Mm-hmm. So if you're saying one email, it's going out to 10,000, 10% of them, so 1,000 people will actually open it. Mm-hmm. So that means 1,000 people are seeing your message every single week. But let's say um, you bump it up to three per week, and you improve your deliverability, and let's say you get up to 20% to keep the math really easy. Well, you send three a week to 10,000 people, that's 30,000. And then taking 20% of 30,000 is 6,000. So that's how many people you're, that are seeing your message per week now. So you literally mm. just 6 x how many people are seeing your message just by sending more and improving deliverability. So I, I always say those two are the most important things that most people get wrong that they should be doing right now. Yeah, And then content and copywriting, it, it's very important. Don't get me wrong, but it's third- out of those three things because even if you send an email and it's like you're not a great copywriter and it's kind of okay there's still going to be people that click the link and because they've seen you before and they know you they like you they trust you and some people will buy but the better writer you are and the better relationship builder you are the more people
1: yeah are. we came over like we've we covered a lot actually so this <laughs> you might have listed this one twice but Troy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. A lot of value in this episode. We've not had an email marketer on the podcast before, so massively appreciate you coming on. How can people stay in touch with you and what you're doing?
0: Yeah, thanks, Cena. I appreciate that. So I would say the easiest thing for freelancers or business owners, um, over at FAQemail.com, the title speaks for itself. I basically took all the FAQs I get about email marketing and I put them in one giant document, and it's free you literally just go there and i will give you all the answers to email marketing for the most common questions i get kind of like we talked about earlier yeah i just surveyed my audience i saw what questions they had i answered the questions and i give those answers away for
1: free troy thank you so much for coming on the podcast again and uh, yeah i'm sure we'll chat very soon thank you so much thank you as well